How do you do? We feel it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a friendly word of warning. We are about to unfold two dudes, one double feature. Dudes of science, who sought to create a podcast after their own image. This is not meant for kids, and the opinions the dudes express are their own. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation. Dude 1, Richard, and Dude 2, Joe. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So, if any of you feel that you do not wish to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to, uh, well, we warned you. in which two dudes discuss two films. And that is about it. I am Doom Mr. Richard. That's what I was hoping he'd do. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Dude too. Mr. Joey. <laughs> that sounds more like Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, God. Out of context. That sounds so sweet bad. mystery of life. At last I found you. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Howdy. Two dudes, one double feature. Richard, Joe, how you doing? Um, it's it is that time of year once again, where we dive deep into the spooky, the atmospheric, and the strange, and we celebrate. And it's you know it's it's actually it's October first as of today. So yeah. it's it's official. It's starting. It is starting. W- w- nice contrast to the other episodes, like the two middle episodes this month, where we recorded them like in the spring. <laughs> it's like we we were in the mood then, but you know what? Not every not every month has not every spooky time needs to just be in October. You know, you spread it around. If you're feeling spooky, go for it. Look, look, look at Disney World. They have their Mickey's uh, Halloween party in August. It's weird. <laughs> I think, you know what? From my perspective, Disney World has only ever celebrated Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. I'm like, I'm like, wait, they have other decorations? I just thought they really liked Halloween. <laughs> That's true, because all the times that you've been, 
pretty much every single time wow huh not that i have any issue with it but there would be it would be nice to like to see a somewhat of a change (laughs) (laughs) but either way welcome to the show everyone we're we're kicking off uh, our halloween celebrations and we're doing it with a couple of classics some of the like required readings if you will of the halloween season but before we get into any of that I must ask, Dutu, how are you? Um. <laughs> I thought you'd go, I'm fine. I'm, oh, is that a spider? Joe, <laughs> Joe I've never heard the name before. <laughs> Not that's. Thousands, millions of them. Oh boy, could you imagine? <laughs> oh, master, please, please don't. I can't record another episode. Please torture me on what you will, but I can't do another episode. Please. You will do one, and it will be a Star Wars part two. <laughs> that puts me over the edge. Um. <laughs> that's what kills Renfield. Yeah. Like, Ren- Renfield is actually just a really exhausted, like, podcast, like, editor. Dracula has, like, this podcast, and like, Renfield is, like, in it. It's like, um, on only, spoilers for Only Murders Season 2. It's like Tina Fey's, I'm thinking about Tina Fey's uh, assistant. <laughs> Tina Fey's assistant. Yeah. Yeah, she would be Renfield. <laughs> the Tina Fey, no, Tina Fey is Dracula, but like her Sarah Palin accent. It's like, oh, oh wow, <laughs> there's a lot of blood here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh, as as just weird, but <laughs> you got the point. Do Zoomers even know who Sarah Palin is? Uh, That's a good Gen question. Z, Gen Z, <laughs> um, maybe. Because it felt like like 2008, like the 2008 election felt like just such a definitive moment. Like, obviously, <laughs> we've lived through the 2016, 2020, but like, it's a weird, uh, weird little uh, time. That was a very s- strange time in 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 American history, as is as there are many. <laughs> there, there are many. Um, America is a no uh, no short supply of those. But um, going back to, I, I'm I'm all right. Um, uh, what, ha- what I've, I've been just watching or trying to watch thing things, you know, sometimes because I try to watch stuff on Criterion Channel and mm-hmm. sometimes it just it's kind of a it, it's great when it works kind of thing. And it's, you know, doesn't always work. I was trying to watch uh, John Carpenter's uh, Dark Star, um, but haven't done that yet. Uh, we'll get is to it, some. Is it the service or is it the Wi-Fi? I feel like it's a combination. Um, I think sometimes it is just Criterion. Like, as much as I love them, like, and I love the, what they offer on their service, I wish it was just a little more reliable. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, what, what was the movie, the Wachowskis, uh, Bound? It took Bound. Me, it took me so long to, uh, it's, a good, it's a good movie, but it took me so long to, fi- I was watching on Criterion, <laughs> and it took me so long to finish it. Um, so I'm also excited too, cause Criterion, this actually connects to our episode as well, 
has a uh, like a like they do like special event kind of thing, like special like you know little things, and they have like a pre-code horror um, mm-hmm. event going on. So they got stuff like the old dark house, murders in the room morgue, um, freaks, you know. And uh, and there's a couple movies I haven't seen that are in there. Most of them I have seen, but I really want to revisit most of them. And the other ones I'm definitely willing to check out. Um, but as far as stuff I have watched, I watched uh, David Lynch's uh, Wild at Heart. I picked up the Blu-ray for that from Shout Factory. Nice. Um, cool, you know, cool movie. Um, excuse me. Um, but it, it, it was, you know... It was definitely a David Lynch movie. I don't know if it's like my favorite one, um, you know, but it's definitely is definitely a David Lynch film. So many Wizard of Oz, <laughs> so many Wizard of Oz connections in that one. Like, is there a yellow brick road? And are, they like, talk about the like... yellow. They talk about. I I don't want to give ever the yellow brick road. The, the, Goodbye, the, the yellow brick road. Like crystal ball, you know. It it's very like, you know. It also makes sense because, like, because like Nick Cage is almost kind of doing like an Elvis. They sing uh, <laughs> mentions the "Love Me Tender," you know. Um, so it's kind of like, which is, I think, it's kind of a nifty thing because those are two like American hallmarks. I feel like, and I think David Lynch is really good at sort of examining, you know, America right. through you know through, you know the dark side of like you know America. Um, you know, Laura Dern is so good in that movie. Uh, terrific. Terrific, uh, and it's also just fun to see Willem Dafoe. I've been watching you know, between Streets of Fire and To Live and Die in L.A., and uh, I've been watching a lot of um, Willem Dafoe lately. So. A lot of a lot of pre 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 Green Goblin Willem Dafoe. Dude, it was so funny. There was like a scene where it was just like hit Willem Dafoe, and he's got like these fake like bad teeth, and he's just you know doing his Willem Dafoe like slimy shtick and. Uh, and then you have Nick Cage sounding like Johnny Bravo almost, and it was amazing. <laughs> Police, hello? There's a handsome guy in my house. Oh, wait, hold on a second. It's only me. One of my favorite bits of all time. <laughs> uh, let's see, but you know, it, uh, oh, but I showed Mike Streets of Fire. I show I showed my whole family remember Streets that. of Fire on two separate yeah. occasions. It's wonderful. Uh, so it, it's catching. It's 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 great. Mike really this, loved, uh, like like a street on fire. Like it's a street catching. on fire. Yes. Um, Mike really dug. Uh, <laughs> he dug Rick Moranis' performance. I was thinking about this right. Every time I see Rick Moranis in that movie, it's just golden. <laughs> Tom Cody, pleased to meet. Pleased you. to meet you. What's your name, fella? Tom Cody. Pleased to meet you. <laughs> I'm just calling him dumb. You're not smart, Cody. <laughs> uh, that movie is just all kinds of wonderful. It, it is. Um, so admittedly, the soundtrack's been on, on loop. Um, and... Yeah, that's uh, really not much going on. How are you doing? All right. Um, we have a wasp's nest in the siding of the house, though, and that's that's caught my attention right now because there's wasps flying in front of my window. Um, it's not fun. 
It's October. Why are there wasps? Go home. Uh, anyway, um, so that's kind of what's going on immediately. Um, and from an in general standpoint, not a whole heck of a lot, honestly. It's just been kind of kind of chillaxed lately. I got a few new things um, in my life. Uh, I picked up some more comics. I've listen. I love Aquaman, but I've noticed I have a severe lack of Aquaman in my comic book collection. That surprises it's, me to hear this. It's it's very upsetting, um, but uh, thankfully they have been releasing some of his stories in like deluxe hardcovers and stuff. But I mean, in fairness. I think it makes sense just because DC, because Aquaman, outside of the movie, like even before the movie, he wasn't like a profitable character. So I didn't imagine DC would want to just start putting out a bunch of Aquaman stories. Just be like, oh, you know, you if you're a big Aquaman fan, because you know, like anybody, they're gonna focus on what's popular. So you know, I can get any kind of Batman story I want and be perfectly fine. Maybe a Superman, maybe a Wonder Woman, but. You know, there's definitely some guarantee with, like, Harley Quinn or Batman, but um, Aquaman, on the other hand, until the movie came out, there wasn't much of a guarantee on that front. So, um, but I wanted to I wanted to see if I can get some more, and so I picked up uh, a couple of them. I got, so, you might have heard on the internet when the trailer came out for Aquaman 2, the, like, everyone was like, kill his kid! <laughs> Which is messed up, but, uh, <laughs> um... But, uh, and I didn't know about this, but, you know, that, that is actually linked to a story where Black Manta does kill Aquaman's kid. And uh, it's called Death of a Prince. And it's apparently the story uh, that sort of demonstrates why Black Manta is, like, his top enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, his top, like, supervillain. So I picked that up. I've been reading that a little bit. It's it's from the seventies and so it's it's but it still has that sort of like cartoonish vibe with Aquaman, which is a lot of fun. Like j- there's a lot of parts where there's like narration just going, Aquaman's about to do this, or <laughs> Aquaman's gonna do that. Um, though the one thing that I was kind of uh, surprised to learn as well is that um, his trident didn't really become like an active aspect of of himself until like later on mm-hmm. so like like he like aquaman has a trident but like in a lot of the comics and maybe even because I, I don't remember him ever having one in like the justice or the super friends animated show from back in the day no i come to think it, which is so weird because the movie like plays it's it almost feels it's, like it's like thor's hammer you yeah know, kind of situation it's, it's so incredibly important to have the trident because you know but um, no, he didn't have one, and so I'm reading this book, and I'm like, "Where is this trident? This whole time, he has no trident." Um, but I'm enjoying it. It's 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 just so silly, but it's so fun, and a lot of it too is like like old school comics where it's just like one story. It's not like where today's comics you have to get like five issues or six issues to complete uh, an arc. It's not really episodic necessarily. It's all very standalone issues. So you can read like there's one where Aquaman um, has to fight these pirates that are underwater and they're like going underwater to fight him and shit. Um, <laughs> there's one um, where like 
because like he's also the king of Atlantis, so he has to be diplomatic with other nations. So there's parts where he's like, you know, the the prime minister of Canada is coming to visit, and I'm like, oh, like <laughs> you never think about that. Like the prime minister of Canada has got to go to Atlantis so he can negotiate with Aquaman. I guess <laughs> it's like how like it was a Doctor Doom is like the diplomatic immunity. <laughs> Oh man, but no, it's a lot of fun. I haven't, I'm still reading it. I haven't gotten to the point where Black Man, but like, what's funny is Black Manta keeps doing things to poke and prod at Aquaman and nothing's working. <laughs> so, like, periodically they'll be like, who's the mastermind behind this? And then Black Manta's just going, I'll get you, Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, it's pretty funny. But, um, I'm enjoying that. And then another Aquaman book I got is called The Atlantis Chronicles. Mm. Um, which that was one I was told that is like an essential read. It's from it's by uh, Peter David and Esteban uh, Mar- Mar- Maroto. I hope I'm pronouncing uh, the names right, but uh, um, it's it's sort of like a story that depicts Atlantis from uh, the its be- early beginnings until it sinks. So it's so it's kind of like a like this is so it's not so it's like an Aquaman story, but it wasn't really even called Aquaman, the Atlantis Chronicles. It was just called the Atlantis Chronicles. Um, but you know, obviously, in order to sell something, you got to put the name on it. <laughs> you know, so I picked that up. I haven't started that one yet, but I'm I'm curious to to read that one. Um, and uh, um, outside of that, what else did I get? I got another volume of Chip Zdarsky's Batman run that I'm catching up on, and that the newest volume has that like issue that I've been seeing going around where Batman goes like into some sort of multiverse thing where he just meets versions of himself. From, so like he meets like the '89 Batman, Adam West, and you know what? It feels non disrespectful, <laughs> like it does in in a movie, you know, mm. where you know the actors are dead and they're cg creating them anyway um so so, um i'm excited to 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 get that going because i loved the first volume so much i've talked about it on here a while ago um and uh, most of my time has been just preoccupied with uh you know trying to read some of these books and also uh this this coming tuesday is a big physical media release day i got nine movies coming in oh jeez nine <laughs> folks i haven't even ordered all of them but i i got not so like it all and the funny thing was it just kept stacking on top of each other so like it was like initially oh we're gonna release for the four uh volume two universal monster movies on 4k individually now so i'm like okay cool because that's what i like i wanted the individual one um also, we're going to release Scream 3 on 4K. All right, well, i got to finish my Scream collection now that they're being released in 4K. Fine. Um, we're also releasing Prey, finally, on physical media. Okay, well, let me throw that on there. <laughs> oh, and we're also going to put uh, uh, The Mist. I love The Mist. Okay, throw it on there. And it's going to be a four-disc set, and it's going to have the black and white version as well. You guys got to stop. I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and you know how we told you Black Phone was going to get a 4K final fuckingly um, uh, in September? Well, now it's going to be released on October 3rd. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. That's just another one. Um, uh, what is there anything else? Um, oh yeah, talk to me. That new horror movie that came out. Uh, we were gonna release that later, but you know what? Let's release it sooner. Are you serious? <laughs> I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> But you know I'm going to spend it. Richard's only doing this so he can guarantee get the slip covers. Yes. Yeah. Richard, guys, Richard's slip cover <laughs> obsession. I love slip covers. He does. They're nice. It's, it's a little, guys, he, he is, I, I don't even know, I'm not even utter the words right now. Um, but, but the crazy part is these later released universal like 4Ks don't even come with slip covers. Oh, really? Yeah, like I got Cocaine Bear, no slipcover. Oh. Um, black. Uh, I got. I also got Promising Young Woman, which finally got a 4K, no slipcover. You know what's funny about that is like, cause I, cause Rogue One was like the last Star Wars movie I needed on 4K, mm. so I got a 4K and I got rid of the um the Blu-ray, but I kept the slipcover, so I put the slipcover over <laughs> my 4K. <laughs> I did the same thing with um. Uh, with Kong Skull Island before I got Matt Frank's like collected 4K, um, which is that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, October 17th is gonna kill me though, <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna get me bad. because <sighs> uh, Wick, Wick, uh, Wicker Man's 4K steelbook comes out. Um, you got your Alf, freaks for uh, the Todd Browning set comes out and the complete Alf on DVD. From uh, from Shout Factory, is it is it uh, is it gonna have the that bonus feat the the, the, uh, the blooper scene, thing the blooper is probably it? I doubt it. <laughs> or you watch it, and you're like Alf, what are you doing? Stop Shout it. has probably listen. Shout's probably invested way too much money into Alf to get stirred. That controversy <laughs> still stirred up intentionally. All right, like they got Alf twenty four seven streaming on their service. Which is quite honestly, it, it, by default, <laughs> Shout is the service I use the most because I just leave on Alf. <laughs> you just leave on too. Alf, but then you <laughs> wake up and you're like, "Why is Alf talking about this?" No, <laughs> oh, oh no! But like, like Allison when she was over in June when she was working, Alf was just on the TV because I just left it on. <laughs> when is it not on? That's the real question. When is it what not, are you on? not? <laughs> like, like, are you watching it right now as we're talking? Is it on TV? No. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> you will tell me if Alf is on the television. <laughs> I prefer to not to let you know if I am watching Alf, who looks like <laughs> <Alf>. <laughs> No, master! No! I'm not watching Alf! I promise! I said I wouldn't! I Epis said I wouldn't! Episodes of Alf. <laughs> Dozens. Hundreds of them! <laughs> no. <laughs> crazy, huh? <laughs> you think I'm crazy for watching Alf? We'll see who's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> On that oh. note. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, all, all of that. All of that aside, um, we're we're getting to the episode that I've looked forward to the most this year. Um, probably the most, probably the most episode, the episode you've looked forward to for like the longest time. Not even just this year. And I enjoy the making.
but this is a very this is very much I this is very much I put this in. This is <laughs> it just says the I next will two I will I will try not to ruin it. <laughs> like the next just says the next two episodes are very clearly Richard. Like yeah, yeah, that's true. Which is fine. Which is fine because those yeah. are great they're great episodes, but um you guys probably know if you've listened to, if you know me, I'm a huge Universal Monsters fan. Uh, my dad had a bunch of the the tapes. I still have his tapes, um, and I've per- I've I have the monsters on basically every format, like that's like not Betamax or Laserdisc, because mm-hmm. I got I got them on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K. I have them on digital. You know, I I got them. I can I can watch them in, in any format that I realistically want to. If they ever release computer chips that we put in our heads and Joey can just physically watch the movie through his own eyeballs, he would own that too. I would. Even if yeah, he that... even if he doesn't get the surgery, he's still going to own them. I'll, I'll just at least have it on my shelf. It'll be it'll be next to the tapes. Um <laughs> but this I mean like this week's ep- this episode is is a, is like when it comes to like horror movies, there there are a few like landmark titles that have come about through the decades. Stuff like yes. Night of like Psycho, Night of the Living Dead, The Exorcist, Halloween. There there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of them. And the two that we're going to talk about today are not only significant in horror history, but also just pop culture in general. These characters have been parodied imitated if you're in a grocery store in the fall in in america you are seeing parodies of these characters on cereal boxes even even just the way these characters look is the common depiction of these characters in just pop culture yes it's not even like like when you think of these characters like there's different interpretations based on the writers or based like maybe they want to get more close to the source material whatever but when you think of these characters these are the images you see with these, these with the designs of these two. So like it's that um, uh, influential and it was that uh, impactful that to this day, like when you're thinking of that, like that's the first thing you think of is the that's, way these guys look. It's true. And uh, with that said, our first film is uh, the Todd, the Todd Browning directed adaptation of a stage play version of um the Bram Stoker novel this is Dracula <gasps> the moment Joey's been waiting for for so long has finally arrived it's finally uh finally here um for all the draculas we've talked about for the one time we did have Bela Lugosi's Dracula and it was not this movie it was a comedy uh, this, this movie is, is at least um, is, is is not intentionally funny uh, for the most part. It's 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 got some camp. It does have camp. some. It does have some camp. Yeah, the character it's of Martin camp. provides some some great. Shout out to the character of Martin. Which hey, there is later on a vampire movie from George Romero called Martin. I don't know if there's a connection, but we gotta we gotta, we gotta figure that out because that that's uh, that's that's my next conspiracy. I'm gonna put my tinfoil hat on for that one. I'll buy the the 4K from Second Sight and I'll watch it and I'll be like, I'll let you know. Got it. Um, I'll let you know. But this movie, to me, like as far as like Halloween 
like the season. For me, this is like the, I think there are better Universal monster movies, but this mm. one feels so definitive for the season. Like it, it's it's very fit because this is October first. We're recording this. It is so yes. fitting that we are we watched it on October first. To me, like the season has officially started. We're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. Uh, this this is this is it. Um, I mean, you also I got to set the stage too because and if you're a big Harvey, you know this, but like. 1931, sound is only a couple years old at this point, okay? Um, you know, and you have all of these, you know, there are people from all, you know, obviously Americans, but also like Europeans coming over, and there's some of the German expressionist influence pouring into some of these movies. Um, mm. And, you know, and like there were other horror movies before, before this, obviously. This is not the first horror movie, okay? Like, you know, this is not Universal's first horror movie, but this is sort of, I think I've heard it described as maybe the first sound supernatural horror movie. And it's, if it's not the first, it's probably one of the first because, you know, it, it just, it just goes into all these things that people, I mean, when you go, okay. So when you go into like silent films, right, you have a score. That's the only sound that you're hearing. But when you get to sound film, you are hearing all sorts of things that you never heard before. You are hearing coffins creak open. You're hearing creepy doors creak open. You're hearing the chirping of, of you know, bats and other creatures, you know. Um, so it, it forces the audience to think about, you know, uncomfortable, co- like death, okay? And especially with mm-hmm. the net in regards to the, to the next movie. Um, so this was, like, this was huge just simply in that regard. Um, but we talk about, you were talking about how like, this is sort of the definitive Dracula for many people. I mean, listen, we talked about Nosferatu on this show and Nosferatu is a plague ridden monster. There is no, like if you don't know that he is the villain in this, in, in that story, I don't know. You are as, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) It's, but there's one person that looks at him the same way we look at Steppenwolf. He's a cutie. Uh, I'm sure there is. Cutie. Nosferatu. But I said this was also like I was talking about alluding to the fact that this is actually like yes, this is based on the novel Dracula, but it's there's also there was also a stage version that was going around, and um, you know that's where you get Bela Lugosi who was in the stage version, but was not the first choice to play, not among the first choices to play Dracula, um, you know, and he wasn't paid a whole heck of a lot of money to play Dracula in this movie, which is still, you know, like people talk about like the SAG strikes, and like this movie is still profiting so much, <laughs> and it's like he, he got paid like dog shit. Uh, when yeah. You think of, when, you, when you really think about it. Um, but but when, again, like this movie... We look at Nosferatu, plague-ridden monster. Dracula is very suave. He's a good-looking guy. Maybe a, maybe slightly sinister, but you think, oh, he he's like an aristocrat. He can't he can't be bad. He can't be the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, at the at the time, yeah, like these these days, it's it's so much easier for us to assume the aristocrat's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, it was probably easy back then too. But like, it wasn't like. They didn't make him overly monstrous. 
is what no, I'm they to didn't. Say. No, you no, know, and didn't. even like when you look at like the the novel too, like the way they describe Dracula, like he's not exactly like, you know, a hunk. Uh, no, in that he's not. Movie. He's not the. He's not the flavor of the week or anything. He may yeah. be that other flavor on the menu that looks enticing, but you still go with the one you like the most. Yes, right. No. Um, uh, complicated but, metaphors. Complicated, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, but Dracula, but Lugosi in this movie, it, he is so famous in this part that people think that he's just like played Dracula a bunch of times in movies. He's only played it. We talked about the other. We talked. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is the only other time he's played in the movies. He played it a bunch on the stage throughout his career, um, but. Only once, uh, only once in a proper Dracula adaptation, and then twice just overall, um, which is wild to think about. Especially given how popular, like we were saying. Um, and like, it, th- listen, like that's like the first thing you got to talk about with this movie is Lugosi. Lugosi is is so definitive in this part. In the, in this part, obviously, the whole look, his cape. Um, I think about his his medallion that he has in the movie. You could buy it as a piece of merchandise on like yeah. a replica of it. You can buy his ring, like all this stuff, all this iconography, um, and just Lugosi's like dialogue delivery too, which is uh, which is incredible. But also you have to remember, you, you know, English was not his first language. No. You know? Um. So like, but but the accent helped. Yeah. Like like. The all like the like, I think about like the Christopher Lee interpretation of Dracula, and how so much of that feels like it wouldn't have looked that way if it wasn't for Lugosi. You know, the only different, the only thing is that like Lugosi is wearing like almost like a tuxedo, yeah, with with a with his big cape, whereas uh, whereas Christopher Lee is literally wearing just like a suit and tie with cape, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but he still has the widow's peak. He still has, granted, I think that's just natural, but it just became an iconic thing for Dracula. Um, and it's just, it's something, like, it like when you see Lugosi, there's no question, and you hear him talk, there's no question, he's mysterious. He's interesting. He's, in, he's kind of enticing, but he's also kind of scary. You know, you understand why Lucy's, like, fascinated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's just comes off as this presence that makes you sort of uncomfortable, but you're like, I kind of want to see more of this. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and so, and even like the way he delivers his lines, like, yeah, he's struggling to like get the words out, which you can kind of tell when he's you know, given the performance, but it almost helps that he has those delays. Like I never drink wine, you know, or, um, Listen to them, the children of the night. What music they make! You know, it's yes. It's just it's so effective. So um, yeah, like it may, it forces you to pay attention more clo- like closely to like just like you're just so captivated. Like I, mm-hmm. I think about like I have chartered a ship to England. It will leave tomorrow evening. <laughs> you're just like. When tomorrow? <laughs> when to- evening? Oh, okay. Um, but I also think of him too as like one of the more explicitly villainous Universal monsters because he is. 
He because when you look at the other ones, there's some layer of like sympathy or something like the Frankenstein uh, Frankenstein creature did not ask to be made. Uh, the creature in Black Lagoon is just a creature in the Black Lagoon. You know, he's just swimming. He's just swimming. The Wolfman, uh, he's a perv, but he's, cu- he's <laughs> cursed. I, for- I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We, yeah. He is. Listen, he is. I gotta be fair. Uh, and then the invisible, the invisible man. You know, like yeah, he he's a villainous, but you know, he he kind of has like he was trying to change the world, so he's kind of has like this, you know, this mentality of like trying to you know, he, the drug the, made the, him insane. Yeah, the science, the science he was working on. He he's like Icarus. He flew too close to the sun. Exactly. Um, you know, and the, and then even like the Phantom of the Opera, who is obviously like intentionally killing people, and it's like. Listen, the dude was bored looking like a freaking skull. Um, <laughs> you know, his mom did not love him. So, like, okay. Ew, fine. get out of here. <laughs> uh, but, like, but Dracula is, like, the only, He's like, a predator. He's a predator, but I feel like the there's one line where it almost, I, the way I interpret it, it almost contradicts the rest of his character. But, like, I think about, like, the line where he delivers, he goes, to die, to be truly be dead. It must be glorious. Um, mm. And then when he also says, you know, there are far worse things awaiting man than death. Where it's like, it, it, you could almost look at it as like, it feels like it's a curse, but it's like the rest of the movie is like, no, he's he's just a villain. He's good. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with like cursing these people for eternal, <laughs> you know, eternal uh, vampirism. Yeah, why not? Yeah, because it, it'd be one thing if it was like, you know, a survival thing where he has to drink blood. Uh, it's another thing because he's like um, he's like using his hypnotism. He's he gaslights. He <laughs> he uh, sneaks in every time. I think because when I was a kid, I was like deathly afraid of vampires because they snuck into people's houses and like the listen. The idea of anything happening to me while I'm asleep is the scariest thing to me because yeah. you're most vulnerable when you're asleep. You're most vulnerable. Um, because you're you're just not aware you're in a you're in a state and uh if someone with bad intentions is is near you and they intend to do something bad uh, you know as someone with bad intentions would do um (laughs) uh you can't do anything you're asleep no so like and i and i'm like just an anxious mess as i've stated many a times on this show so the idea of someone sneaking into someone's house is just terrifying you know, yeah. um, and uh, seeing seeing a lot of those scenes when I was like younger and like other Dracula movies, just always bothered me. Even even to the extent like I remember when I don't know if you remember this, but like Burger King years ago, like like when I was a kid, released Universal Monster toys. It was like it was like Burger King or McDonald's, and I remember there was a parade going on in my hometown. And uh, I wanted to get them. So I was like, ooh, I can get a Wolfman, I get Frankenstein, I get Dracula. And I got them, and I remember getting the Dracula toy and being so excited. And I was dipping my french fries in ketchup, and I got immediately sick. Because I was like, I don't want to eat this because this makes me think of blood. Because <laughs> I've told lo- the story before on the Wolfman <laughs> episode. Yes. And I let you do it again because it's a good story. As every time I, Every time I think of of dracula or vampires that's like the first thought i think of or i just think of how that that image from bram stoker's dracula is just immediately like embedded in my head 
mm. you know, the poster, yeah. like the skull, like that whole thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I've always been terrified of vampires. So when I when I watch this movie, that nostalgia memory comes back where I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. Bo- this bothered me, and it's because it's because he is like intentionally like doing harm whereas like like we were saying like all the other characters are either forced into those situations or don't understand that they're doing anything wrong and so like you just see every time you see dracula sneaking into like mina or lucy's room or anything you're like stop it (laughs) go away please yeah oh yeah um but uh, it's it, it it still gets you even just the way it's shot too like the cinematography like the wide the the attorney on our show sorry no you good you good like the wide open spaces and just like the slow moving it it still creeps on you yeah oh no totally like um and that's the other thing too like it's a it's a sound movie but there are stretches of it that are just silent and mm-hmm. there's always the shot you know that I always love where um, um, Renfield, played by Dwight Fry, is dropped off by the carriage and he is it, like Draculus as the coachman stares at him. And just the way Lugosi's eyes are lit and the like, it's just, it's so, it, it's like, it was probably, like when I first saw the movie, it, that that was the shot that freaked the shit out of me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's just looking directly at you and the rest of the, like the other shot, there's all some beautiful shots of Lugosi, you know, just staring, but that one is, I think the most effective and the most memorable. Yeah. Um, and also to just like the use of like the moving camera, um, Carl Freund was, was notable for that. Um, and there's people who think, oh, sound films, they never move the camera. No, they move the camera. <laughs> they yeah. move the camera. I mean, but yeah, and this is coming from a movie that's very stagey. Like that's. The other thing, one of the big things too, and that my big criticism is the first 20 minutes are great. Like legitimately great stuff in Transylvania. Mm-hmm. And I know you're like, you're like, it's, it's just, it's so good. Like the way that's set up Renfield, the slow build of Renfield going, getting to Dracula's castle, the beautiful, uh, ma- you know, map painting or whatever, Dracula's castle, mm-hmm. just the brides waking up and ever, it's so great. And then when he gets to when he gets to London, things start to become okay. This is clearly an early talk. This is clearly an early talkie. Now this feels like like a filmed stage play um, in certain respects. And I'm sure you agree with me on on that. Uh, like the first twenty minutes are really like where every the, basically the most memorable things happen in mm. that first like twenty minutes of the movie. Well, you know, in fact, I don't know. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I would have been interested to hear your take. <laughs> no, um, I think I think that just anything in Dracula's castle is just going to always be far more interesting than like him in London. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, sure. Like, you know, the the stuff in like you know the stuff in the latter half of the movie, it does feel. Like you were saying, like a bit more like a stage play, sort of like being shot or something. But um, there's still there's still a lot of like iconic moments. But yeah, like most of the things that people reference are all from like the opening. Yeah, like you know the the wolf line, uh, the the wine line. As far as quotes are concerned, um, just Dwight Fry just 
being Dwight Fry. <laughs> but what's what's also funny is like Dwight Fry, like like let's get Dwight Fry is so good. Like he's the the other. He might be the best performance in the movie. Um, Honestly, because he yeah. has, he has to do so much. Because at first he's just a guy, and then he, he's just he trying to, to play, go visit Dracula. And then he plays a crazy guy, and then he plays a guy racked with guilt. He has to go on such an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Um, and he is amazing. Aston- uh, astonishing performance that, um, like, Lugosi, obviously noteworthy, but Dwight Fry does not get talked about nearly enough, I feel. Every time I see his face and, like, the like the stretch, like his big old stretched out smile and his wide <laughs> eyes, <laughs> that, yeah, that thing. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, the, you know that thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, when when that happens in in uh, the movie Renfield. I, I said in my letterbox review, uh, "That's my Avengers Assemble moment." <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Holt doing Dwight Fry proud. I was like, they they see me. They know why I exist. <laughs> it's like Chris McKay has made a Batman movie and a Dracula movie, but he made them for us. <laughs> <laughs> we should have done that as we should have done the Lego Renfield movie. The Lego Re- oh my god, could you imagine the Lego Renfield movie? Like the <laughs> like just just the movie Renfield but in Lego form. Michael 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 Sarah um as Renfield and uh, <laughs> Fly Dracula Fly Will Arnett as Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so funny. <laughs> Um, but he he's so great and like uh in, in this movie and I gotta I gotta mention Edward Van Sloan who's returning to our show because he was in the Mummy he play in a lot of these Universal movies he plays the same character he's the wise elderly scientist figure who has some knowledge of supernatural things yeah it's you know if it, if it ain't broke and he played Van Helsing on the stage too so that okay helps. that's cool um. And I love him in this movie. Um, like he, I, I think he, like this. There's the scene where he has sort of the confrontation with Dracula towards the, like later, later on in the movie when it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things. I will tear down Carfax Abbey stone by stone and excavate it a mile around. I shall find your earth box and drive that stake through your heart. No, you won't. <laughs> no, it should be. Oh, it's like the sassy <laughs> magnet. <laughs> No. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> Come here a second. <laughs> um, Come over here. But he's great. Come and, and Sloan, her. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that is one of my favorite. One of my favorites is Ore Wolf. <laughs> Wolves and bats. Uh, Wolves I love bats. And then the rest of the people are in here. David Manners also returning on our show. He got. I think. He, I thought. I thought I heard that he got paid more than Lugosi, and he he claimed that he never watched the movie. Uh <laughs> And he was just. Um, come on. Um. You know. I don't. I don't want to get like give him too much. Shit. Like he's fine enough. You know. He's given a part that's. It's kind of thankless. He kind of like when he first shows up. He looks like those old photos that you see. Like, oh, well, who's this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you find a box yeah. of old photos, he just looks like that guy. Like, you never really know who he is. You're just like, oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't want to give him too much crap. Because, again, it's like, 
you're you're kind of just the guy. You're just, just you're not. Listen, he's not Keanu Reeves, but you know it's okay. But what's also funny, I was watching like the they had a little interview for like the pre code stuff, and what's interesting is that a lot of the le- like regular leading men in these movies are really thankless and wimps. Like people talk about like like the w- way women are treated in these movies, which is absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many times like where it's like the princely character, the guy who looks like handsome, is just kind of a dope. Yeah, and like yeah, Van, uh, Van Helsing's the guy who ultimately kills Dracula. Yeah, you know, if this was like a modern movie, you would you would have you would have Harker like doing that. <laughs> like Harker, Harker would be the guy that actually like follows through. But now Harker, listen. That's one of the big changes with this one is that Harker in the initial story is a more prominent character. I'm glad you brought this up. Yes. Because, you know, he's the one that goes to to Castle Dracula, you know, Transylvania, but this time around it's Renfield. I feel like this is the only Dracula adaptation where I've seen some where Harker's not the one that goes to Dracula's castle, to my understanding. Basically other than Renfield yeah which which that's because because there's like a reference to this one because because it, it, it's basically like a loose loose ish sequel um <laughs> but yeah um you know so because even in like people make fun of keanu reeves and like bram stoker's dracula but he at least gets to do things in that movie he he's prominent he's a major figure you know he get he's stuck at Dracula's castle. He gets he gets and, eaten by Tim Burton's current girlfriend almost. <laughs> yeah. But here's the other big thing with this movie too, and this is this is not as much of a problem in the second movie. A lot of the stuff happens off screen. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't like you don't ever actually see like anyone get bit or anyone like you you always see him approach. So there's a lot yeah. of really reliant use on power of suggestion in a way yes mm-hmm. um and there's and you never see his fangs you know he has yeah, but, them but it's funny though because there are a lot like i remember people used to say like in a lugosi accident i want to suck your blood like and he never says anything like that no <laughs> i never say blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> now we know where that joke come from <laughs> yeah no he he doesn't um but like yeah so like the rest of the movie is is kind of like you know fine ish and mm-hmm. this is where I'm, i want to dovetail the conversation into the spanish version have you ever seen the spanish version i have not okay um at some point in your life i recommend checking it out at least once because well i have it there's you do have it because it comes with the the 4k and it's been with the like ever since the DVD era. It's been with included with the um, the regular Dracula, the English language. So like basically, what happened was for those of you who aren't familiar, back in the days of of you know early sound period, there were a few options. You had the original version of a movie, so we have this. Hmm. Then there was a silent version because not every theater converted to sound because it was expensive. So there were silent prints of Dracula, none of which exist anymore unfortunately um and then you you do dubbing um or you can make a spanish language version which was found to be profitable because it's like hey people like to see people who speak their language in the movie you know mm-hmm. so it's like okay cool so what would happen was the the english language cast filmed in the day and then the spanish language cast would film at night and the spanish language film it's a little longer 
there's a, a lot of really cool shots in the Spanish language version. Um, I think in certain aspects it, it feels better directed. Um, Lupita Tovar as um, you know as, as sort of the 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 Mina character. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets to wear dresses that are a little sexier. In, oh. in that. Like, the, the ladies get to, like the way people are dressed is a little different, even though the same sets, you know, the, the, it's the same movie essentially. Um, but again, but you know, Spanish and sexier, Spanish and, and a little sexier. Um, uh, Pablo Alvarez uh, Rubio plays Renfield and he's incredible. Um, I would say all, almost right on the level of like, um, of Dwight Fry. And then you have Carlos Villarreas, whose eyes are just like, like Dracula, like Lugosi has great eyes, but like Villarreas is like, it's <laughs> almost like, you could almost like feel, almost feel like a twitch coming on. Uh, whereas like Lugosi's feels a little more controlled. I was going to say, if this was a video, you guys could see Joey doing the eyes. <laughs> it's just, it, it's a little unsettling, just. <laughs> and so he, he's a little, he's a little more exaggerated. Like there's the scene where they have like the mirror in the music box and they, he's trying to like, Van Helsing's trying to reveal that. He smashes it with his cane and it's like a big to do in, in that version. Whereas this, he just slaps it out of his hands and goes, he just slaps oh. it and he's just like, he almost has like a snooty, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, like mirrors, you dick. But like, but again, like a lot of stuff happens off screen. You don't see him as a, you don't see him as a wolf, which makes sense. But it's like, there's so many things where it's just like, oh, I guess this crazy thing is happening. Oh, I guess this crazy thing is happening. Oh, snap, mm-hmm. this crazy thing happened. And it's, you know, again, like the, that's not a big problem in the first 20 minutes because visually it's so cool that you're able to be like, okay, I could, the suggestion is fine enough, but for later on in the movie, it doesn't, doesn't work out as well. Right. Well, I'll have to watch it then. Cause I have, I have, listen, you, you sold me on sexier, obviously. Uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly. Um, but also Carlos Villarreal's performance, uh, he's insane. <laughs> like, he, like he he feels like he almost like if, if they didn't cast him as drag he could have almost been Renfield because he's just nuts in the movie. Um, but going back going back to Dracula, um, it's also interesting too. I was talking about this. Um, this is a Todd Browning directed movie. Yes. Um, which I was listening to Todd Browning's biography on uh, audiobook, and it's interesting because there are some people who said like Todd Browning didn't do much directing. Some people said he did do directing. So it's kind of like, what? And like, what's also, going on here? But it also made me think, I was talking about this, it made me think of Tim Burton. Because Tim Burton's, well, but Todd Browning and Tim Burton, their their biggest like notable hit, or one of their biggest notable hits, is a movie about a bat-related guy. You and mean, a, you mean a, a bat man? A bat man of some kind, who, has, who might, may or may not be wealthy. Um... <laughs> You know, but, uh, anyway, so I was thinking about that cause like, obviously Batman, it is a Tim Burton movie, but it's not like the, like the most Tim Burton-y movie. Mm-mm. No. And I think about that with Dracula, with Dracula, it has some like Todd Browning like things, but it's not the most Todd, like Todd Brown, like one of the things is like this movie feels anticlimactic. Like, whereas if you watch, when you watch Freaks, it is not anticlimactic. Like, mm-hmm. the, like Todd Browning was known for like his insane finales. Like the Unholy Three has like an insane climax where there's like a gorilla, 
and they're like trapped in a cabin and it's like what the fuck ah, right uh, <gasps> or uh was it the uh, the devil dolls where i was watching that recently where there's like it's a movie about like these people that are shrunk down and they're be they're like used for like lionel barrymore's manipulation basically Okay. And there's a lot of crazy things done with that and freaks. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's pretty famous if you're if you watch freaks. Um, whereas Dracula is kind of like, oh yeah, we got to choose Dracula. Oh, he doesn't have me, Mina. Go over there, um, John. Do do, do something. Oh, we kill Dracula. That's the movie. Uh, and then they go up the like, stairs. And that's the movie. And then um, uh, Edward Van Sloan gets arrested in the next movie. In the, in the next Dracula, Dracula's <laughs> daughter. Um, God damn it. <laughs> um, but that said, that said, I think you would agree with me on this. There's still enough to appreciate in this movie that you got to come back to it year after year. Well, I don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to hear your argument. Stop <laughs> pretending you disagree. <laughs> Uh, that could be a good bit, actually. Just keep doing. It. Just like, well, guess well, what? Actually, <laughs> oh no, yeah, oh, that'd be worse. Um, actually, <laughs> let me just tell you, sir. <laughs> no, um, I do agree. I do. I'm just kidding. Um, it's uh, it's one of those movies that like there's a, like you watch it and you understand why it is a staple. You know, it's not, it's, it's obviously, it's so permeated in pop culture, um, to the point where like when we were kids, we just, you know, when we think of Dracula, it's like, oh, those costumes you can get at the store with the widow's peak and like the red sash with the medallion and the big old cape and the fangs and everything, you know, it's, it's just, it's, you just know it's Dracula, but then like you actually watch the movie where it kind of all originated with that particular, with the way we understand Dracula. And you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. get it. Um, as far as like how it stands up to the other universal monster movies, I do like, I feel like I, I've always liked the more like tragic angle that a lot of the characters have, but it's also like a lot of them are kind of in that ballpark, but it kind of makes Dracula stand out because he is like the only one that's genuinely bad. Like, it's like if you ever had, like, a giant, massive, like, Universal Monsters, like, team-up movie, so to speak, I feel like Dracula would just, by default, be the main villain. And that's why we have Van Helsing. Exactly. That's yeah. where you go. I mean, like, if there was, like, if the Dark Universe succeeded, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Oh, my God! It did. It's called yeah. Penny Dreadful, and it's great. It's a great show. So good. Dave Warner, <laughs> may he rest in peace, was Van Helsing. <laughs> And we did get a Dracula in the show. Granted, it was it didn't like it wasn't as impactful, but at least he was there. Dracula was there, guys. That's all that matters. Um, but but yeah, but this was a huge hit in 1931. Um, came out like February of 1931, so it was around. It was actually around like Valentine's Day when it came out. That feels oddly appropriate. Because as they call, I think one of the taglines for this movie was the strangest love story, or one of the strangest love stories ever told, or something. I may be mixing up with a King Kong, but I think it's in that ballpark. One of the strangest love stories about a predatory person. Yes. <laughs> Listen, love was different ninety years ago. Ew. <laughs> um, Listen, I don't agree. 
Well, that, not so much. <laughs> There's probably a lot of that shit, unfortunately, too. Uh, um, but this was a huge hit for Universal. But when we come back from our intermission, we're going to talk about something that was even bigger. <laughs> <laughs> back are we i guess we'll see who's back it's us actually you gotta get married (laughs) father please stop smoking it's not good for you might have another woman and I'm not sure about it. Uh. Why are you hanging around with this Fritz fellow? Father, please. Father, please. Don't do this. Why are you sounding like Daniel Radcliffe? Father, please. (laughs) Father, please. (laughs) Please. Crazy, am I? We'll see who's crazy. We're all crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be your favorite like audio uh <laughs> just, sound just, bite. just you going <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that if that's not the after credits i'll be sad <laughs> i have an idea for the after credits but um, so it'll that'll have to be a response to whatever your idea is okay um welcome right. back everyone yeah. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't say blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beep. That should almost just be like, if so, one of us goes on too long, we just put it in. <laughs> <laughs> just, we're just, we just keep going and like, nothing's really being said. You're just talking in circles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So the first half, we obviously talked about uh, Todd Browning's Dracula, black, huge hit. 
Um, but now we're going to talk about a movie that we've talked about its sequel here we did. many moons ago, over a hundred episodes ago. We we did an episode with uh, its sequel and uh, King Kong. Yes. So go and listen to it. We would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, episode 30. That's how long ago. Yeah. We're listen, we're almost exactly a hundred episodes. <laughs> o- o- over. Oh, we're over? Oh, I forgot what episode number we were. So, <laughs> um no, but th- th- we're finally talking about the 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 prequel to Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Frankenstein. Which is a reference to Bride of Frankenstein the way I said it, but whatever. Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Again, that's Young Frankenstein. <laughs> yes, which we have talked about. Which actually, it's it's funny because in years past we've done an episode on two Dracula movies. We've done we did mm-hmm. you know the dra- horror Dracula and Bram Stoker's Dracula. We did a Frankenstein uh, with Curse Curse of Frankenstein um, and um, Young Frankenstein, and now we're finally Dracula and Frankenstein. Together, even though we've talked about them in other things, but together at last, yes, finally the universal versions. (laughs) (laughs) These are the versions that matter. I mean, horror Dracula is a good movie, guys. Curse Frankenstein is really, really good movie. Um, (laughs) Listen, Peter Cushing just looks great in that. Just every outfit, his coat, his coats are so good. He just every like. Like he's so well. No wonder he became uh, Target. <laughs> no wonder he became Target because Target's so well dressed the whole time too. But um, so Frankenstein. Whew, wow. Um, first off, yay James Whale. Uh, yay James Whale as always. We're big. We're big James Whale fans here. One of our first episodes. The, Invis- the Invisible Men, we've talked about, we talked about the 1933 <laughs> Invisible Man. I just like that's the title, Invisible Men. <laughs> I mean, what else were you going to call it, you know? Nothing. You couldn't have. The Invisible Man and the Invisible Man? The Invisible Mans. <laughs> we don't even use the plural. Mans. Just, it's terrible. But... <laughs> But James Whale, I mean, um, the only other like the no, non horror movie I've seen of his was um, was Showboat, Showboat yeah. the musical. Um, I'm glad you remember that. Wow, nice. You think I wouldn't? Yeah, you dick. <laughs> Again, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. But this, uh, this first, this movie, I mean, it was supposed to be initially directed, uh, by Robert Flory, um, at one point. Has he made anything, like, notable, that guy? Uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue. There you go. Which is a great movie, I definitely recommend it, a great pre-code horror movie, again, it's on that Criterion, um, special playlist that they're doing this month. Based on Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. It's also got a, a nice, um, Scream Factory Blu-ray, um, and... He actually, on the I think like the French credits of this movie, Robert Flory's given like a story credit because again he was involved somewhat in the production. Um, and this role, the role was of of the of the monster or the creature was supposed to go to Bela Lugosi, but Lugosi was hoping he would not play the monster, and he was hoping he would play Doctor Frankenstein. 
Right. Because he wanted the meaty role. He wanted the meaty role. And I, I, I thought I watched in one of the documentaries a while ago that they were saying, yes, maybe not the best career move on one hand, but on the other hand, would the at that stage in time, would the part of the monster have been as interesting as we deem as we deem it now? And because again, you also people like this is the other problem with like some of the, the horror icons that we love so much. It's both a blessing and a curse because it's like, hey, you know, you're you're really famous for something, but also you got typecast in things. Yeah, it's it's why like these days when people, especially like in the superhero world, you know, once you're once you find a way out, you're like, I need to play anything but. Yes, yes. I mean, because it feels like I don't want to say like they're super negative, but it feels like there's like a almost like a mixed thing when they when people are reflecting back on their time as like a superhero character or a big or any big franchise. Um, I think I think the the common the common sentiment seems to be like like I, like Christian Bale. You know, I think you know obviously he 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 did pretty well for himself before Batman, but Batman's what made him notable. But yeah, you know, after that, you know, he would go on to make other movies. He would win. He would be nominated for Oscars. He would win an Oscar, um, and uh, you know he like in and in some of the interviews he would he would look back on the time making those movies, and he's he's still very fond of it. But I'm sure if you ask him like how he feels about superhero movies, he'd probably be like, you know, they're a thing. Yeah, you know, or like um, you know, a lot of the Marvel actors, you know, I'm sure they they still have a lot of great memories making those movies, but you know there's always that difference between making like a studio movie versus like something a little bit more of a passion project. Yeah. So, right. So there's probably some of that. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I like to think that, you know, Carl, cause like Karloff and Lugosi became known, especially Karloff became known for like horror as horror icons, you know, mm-hmm. like Karloff, yeah. like I feel like Karloff was mentioned a lot in the same sentence, like especially later on as like Vincent Price, and Peter Cushing and a lot of these guys that would come into the scene a little bit later, um, and uh, but I'm sure there was there was a- a- aspects to themselves where they were like you know wanting to try a little bit more, but yeah, yeah, there is that there is that unfortunate aspect of like oh you're just Frankenstein forever, but I don't imagine it was entirely a bad thing, but you know there's probably some days where they're like you know. I'm not Frankenstein <laughs> anymore. Like again, like James Whale, um, James Whale, like saw Karloff. Um, I'm trying to remember if he saw him in the Criminal Code or like another movie, but there was like or, or something. But like Karloff was like a supporting actor in a bunch of things. You know, yeah. he he was in a bunch of movies. He didn't get his star making role until he was 45 years old. Um, which I always, I always love an actor like Humphrey Bogart's another case of this, where he was like, Humphrey Bogart didn't become a star to like, like really later in in his career. Or even like in a modern context, I think of like Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Like, like Christoph Waltz, like he was probably like really prominent in Germany or in Austria, or Austria. He was, he, I, unfortunately we, the first movie I saw him in, he was playing a Nazi, <laughs> but, um, but no, he, uh, you know, he really came into you know, into the scene with like Inglorious Bastards, and now he's like an international hit star, and so like it, like it is nice that you see some of these actors that you know it gi- it gives you hope that if you, even in your even in your later years, if you still want to like try and achieve something in your life, there's nothing wrong with that. No, yum, no, for sure. Um, and 
it was one of those one of those things where like <laughs> I think Karloff had mixed feelings about being cast. He's like, oh, oh, you did you like me? It's like, oh yeah, I want you to play the monster. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're the monster. Uh, there's that, and I also got to. I have to. There's one more person I really, really have to mention in the creation of this, and that is Jack Pierce, who has been brought oh, yeah. up a number of times on our program. Oh yeah. Um, one of his earlier initial, like, really big ones that he did was um, the silent film "The Man Who Laughs" with Conrad Veidt. Uh, I imagine that's a movie we'll talk about at some point. We'll talk about it with Joker. That was, <laughs> that was one of our. It was on the notepad. But it I was. It's gonna happen. I was just, I was just hoping your face would just be like, you would do one of the, what? Excuse me? What did you just say? I beg your pardon. Is that happening? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but that, that makeup is still like, to me, that's like one of the most startling things is that smile of Gwen, Gwen playing in the, the man mm. who laughs and the Frankenstein, like, you know, that design of that of the creature is 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 just as if not more iconic than Lugosi's Dracula because everybody mm. thinks of the the, the flat top flat top the bolts, bolts. stitches all this all this stuff but there's even like like other things like other little details you don't even think about like the eyelids giving eyelids the eyelids I mean granted it wasn't like a makeup thing but like Lugosi or not Lugosi but Karloff had like false teeth and he took them out and he had the little and a little sunken cheek in, which wasn't in the second one, but it was it was a nice little detail, especially yeah, because like, he he, zoom he had in to talk like, in the second one, but it's yeah. good because that, that that's startling. Like when you're yeah. up late, like if I'm up at like twelve in the morning, lights out, watching, I'm like, oh. <laughs> like stop it, stop zooming the camera, stop stop zooming it. And it's like really, it's really effective too. I think, um, and that's another thing where it's like it's a sound movie, but it plays with the silence so well. I almost, I would almost argue, I like the silent, the silence in this more than in, in Dracula. I would say. I would agree with that. I would agree with that too. Yeah. Because, like, listen, I, I, I didn't mention it in the first half because I, I didn't think of it, but now I am. Um, but it, I actually didn't watch these movies until much later in my life. Yes. Um, and so, like, I, because I didn't watch a lot of older movies, so I didn't really have that understanding of, oh, there's no music. <laughs> you know. Um, but like, like I watch Bride of Frankenstein and there's music and I'm like, yes, thank you. And it's amazing music. Um, but whereas I watch like this and I watch Dracula, I'm just, I'm like at the time, like, you know, my confused self, like, why is there no music? I don't get it. But of course, you know, it's like, that's the beginning of sound. And, you know, it was just crazy enough to hear people talking and to hear sounds happening uh, in the picture versus like just music. And plus, you know, they probably don't want to pay the pianists. <laughs> well, and it's also a matter of I, I feel like it was it was more like diegetic yeah. sound at that point. They didn't want to confuse. Pe- I feel like they didn't want to confuse people. Like you have music in the opening, closing credits, or if it's a musical number, or if there's like a, like in Dracula, it's like a concert yeah. that they're at, um, and there's music in mm-hmm. that scene, and it makes it that um, much more effective. And that- <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> But yeah, because like, because you you don't think but about also, that stuff when you're when you're first yeah no no. But that's also why King Kong is such a notable movie too. Not that it was the very first, but it was an earlier sound film that had like a full, a score pretty much throughout a lot of the movie. And that that it, it, from a modern standpoint, that definitely feels like it helps a little bit more. 
because it is sort of it is still yeah. like even now it's still kind of strange to watch these movies and like not have any music outside of like the opening and closing like the bookends yeah so it's it is a bit strange but the way the way it's used in this it's still really compelling plus the use of the the sound work itself like i think of the scene when you know obviously the famous it's a lie it's a lie like that whole scene like i almost i almost feel oh, like the lightning man. and the machinery that almost itself in its own way works as the music because it, 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 it builds on that atmosphere. So you're watching the scene and you're seeing the intensity of it. And like your, your show used to like the crescendos, like rah, 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 like, so, like some, some sort of music playing, but you don't get it this time. And so it makes it that much more like kind of spooky a little bit. And it, it, yeah. it just, it's like, whoa. Um, so I was, so I think that's why outside of just, I think just personally liking the story of Frankenstein a little bit more than Dracula, but, um, I think that just helped make me like more excited to, to see this movie. Um, also I watched this in theaters, not that that's relevant, but I did. And that was cool. I saw this in theaters to like, um, you saw it as a double pairing. Did you see it as a pairing with Bride of Frankenstein? Mm-hmm. I saw it as, as a pairing. Did I mention that in the Bride of Frankenstein episode? You might have. I'm, no, I'm just trying to remember because I am. I saw actually two years ago. I saw Dra- it was Dracula and Frankenstein. You brought your VHSs. Was I brought because there's no posters there, so I, my poster review. I had to hold up <laughs> in the parking lot, just Joey. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. How, we'll see if that gets old. <laughs> it might. Uh, it it might. might for other people. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but the sound. I mean. But also too. Like I was going back to like eerie things that people have to think about. Like you really feel it. like there's the opening scene where there's a grave digging. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a funeral happening and like the they're they're burying the um burying the um the coffin and you hear the dirt hit the call and it's just it, it is kind of unsettling and like I, I also somebody who, for me who's lost a lot of significant people in my life that's such a like a chilling thing mm-hmm. you know like this person it's just they're in this box and that's the end that, that, that's it and then uh until uh, you got a couple of grave robbers uh colin clive and dwight fry just... richard's doing like a face this right is now. dwight fry coming up and then this is Colin Clive. Get down, you fool! Which I gotta, I gotta um, listen. Like, because Karloff in this movie, we're gonna talk a lot about Karloff. He's amazing. Again, like one of the best supreme performers. Another just for a guy that time. doesn't talk much in the movie, he's still iconic in the role. So it, it it's so iconic. It's it's literally like there was like a thread recently. Was like, what horror movie performance could you give an would you give an Oscar to? And obviously, people rightfully said Lupita Nyong'o in um, <laughs> Us. Yes, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Yes, she's so good. Whatever you think about us, she's great in the movie. Along with that, it's Karloff. And then Karloff is just. But Colin Clive, which we talked about him in Mad Love, and we talked about him in Bride of Frankenstein, he really shines so great here. And um, I also want to highlight because he unfortunately had like um, his his life ended much too short. Yeah, um, I think you I think you you brought that yeah. up in Mad Love too, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, it, def- it definitely he, he is brilliant um, as Henry. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? Fine, we'll we'll kick it off here. Let all right. Let's take off the band aid. Take off the band aid. I probably Richard, have already why said were this. You upset? Other than the normal reasons why you'd be upset talking to me. 
Um, well, you know, there's always reasons I'm upset talking with you. Well, like, yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. say only one thing sometimes. So I'm trying to get a little more out of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Was that too deep? <laughs> This is true. Digging a little bit. Um, It's it's a flaw. I like the uh, brevity is the soul of wit. You you send me the damn duck sometimes. Again, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. It's just it's funny. But to to me anyway. (laughs) To everyone else, they're like, "What's he talk? A duck?" Um, That's our emoji on our messenger whenever we talk to each other. but uh no so okay i like i said i hadn't seen this movie like early like anybody else i saw it much later in life so there was all these other frankenstein related things that had come out well before then that i had seen and i always knew the doctor like like dr frankenstein as victor frankenstein because that's what he is in the book so when I learned when I watched Frankenstein finally the the you know the the this iconic film that his name is Henry I was like that is so dumb <laughs> I hate it listen it's a nitpick there's no question about it it doesn't affect how I feel about the movie I still love the movie but I'm like Henry and so like I actually had to like look this up because like I never bothered which is stupid like if if something bothers you it's worth looking into it why it is the way it is and see how that affects your opinion on it because then if you're just blindly hating on something then that's just that could be harmful as we've yep. seen in politics a lot um <laughs> uh, yeah um <laughs> so i'm like why the f- why the hell is his name henry because it seems so like i like someone on letterbox brought up a, a funny kind of point because like is it to make him sound more American? Because his last name's still Frankenstein. <laughs> like, like, what's it gonna like? What's the? How's that gonna affect anything? Apparently, I don't know if I brought this up last time. I'm sure I brought up the Henry thing, but um, apparently, Henry sounds more welcoming than Victor does in like a Great Depression era. So the producers sort of just forced the change. So it's a it's a producer note, which makes sense why it's dumb. That's the reasoning I was thinking about because what we also have to mention too is that there's another love interest played by John Bowles, Victor Moritz, is you know yeah. Um, so the, so they're like, oh, we don't, we want her, we want her to like Henry, Henry. We want the audience to sympathize with sympathize with Henry a little bit. Henry he's doing this. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna say like I almost prefer like it was funny too watching the movie. I'm like I almost prefer Colin Clive in the first half of the movie to the second. Not that he's not not that he's bad in the second half because he's not. He's great through the whole thing. It's just I like I like when he's not an aristocrat. I like when he's more like just the crazy doctor. Oh yeah, dude. But 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 when he's like when when, they're, when they called him crazy, it is, that that face like he's all like like. I'm gonna be honest. Like, it's scary and it's intense, but it's almost hot. <laughs> like, like, I look at that face and I'm like, you know the, <laughs> the 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 classic Richard. Why do you like the bad guy sexually? Feeling happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's just a lot of people anyway, dude. So, like, like, Ooh, I like Kylo Ren. He killed Han Solo. But look and at his other things. Look at his pecs. <laughs> 
I don't care if he's, he's Ben Swolo. He's Ben Swolo, and it's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> or obviously, you know, we talked about Elizabeth Olsen in uh, in our multiverse madness, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> no, it was. I was talking to a friend at work the other day, not to go off on a tangent, but it was funny. She was like, I I didn't get Elizabeth Olsen in the MCU until I watched that movie. <laughs> I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> it's her best performance, I think. It is. Um, it is. But she, it's like damn uh, as well uh, so that, like i see that image of colin clive uh when uh, they call him crazy and i'm like he's kind of hot right there <laughs> like <laughs> holy shit <laughs> it's like he's still scary and deranged looking but i'm almost like i'm feeling the heat <laughs> um yeah uh but uh, Col- yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah colin clive is great. Um, make I want to met May Clark in this. Um, she's really good mm-hmm. as um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you. Yeah. Um, but I, well, I really liked about it too was like the sort of subtle like love triangle, like sort of yeah. thing that they play it's, with that and like it's not sorry it's not like in your face. No, no. Um, but I I also I really like John Bowles in this movie as Victor Moritz. Um, he seems like a decent guy. You know, clearly he's in love with Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, but you know, listen, he should have been Henry. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Um, but I think about that scene, too. There's, like, a scene um, where we first introduce those characters, and you see, like, a portrait of Henry. The way that was, like, edited and put together, I thought was, mm-hmm. was really quite good. How it sort of introduces that sort of, like, you know, sort of love triangle. But then I, I, I the, there was one thing I kept thinking about too with this, especially with this viewing, is like the father son stuff. Yeah, it's like I think about like I think about Baron Frankenstein, who's just disappointed in his kid. <laughs> like he doesn't even think he's doing like weird science. He's just doing like he's he's just there's another woman. I just knew it. Just mm-hmm. tell me who's the other woman. Like he's just immediately assuming like adultery. <laughs> like yes, it's because it can't be this weird science shit you're talking about. No, he's, he's banging some other woman clearly. Um, uh, then, and then like now you have, uh, Henry, uh, you got got Henry Frankenstein just like making another, making the monster. And now he's disappointed in the monster. (laughs) Like I, I did like the brief moments where Henry was trying to understand the monster because, yeah, because that's the whole thing with with the monster. You know, we talked about it a little bit. Like he's a tragic figure. He was just literally born yesterday. Yes. And so he doesn't understand anything. He's never seen the world. He doesn't know what's going on. So when he's violent, um, there's that immediate uh, thing from Edward Van Sloan's character, who's like the professor that was like a teacher of Doctor Doctor Volbin. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there's, he tells him that was a criminal brain, but it's like, you know, and in, in a proper response and a smart response, Henry's like, it's just dead tissue. You know, it's yeah. like the thing is, you know, that's not going to change who someone is. I mean, like their brain chemistry sure is one thing, but like, you know, that doesn't mean that the monster is immediately like supposed to be evil. Yes. Like, if you think he's immediately supposed to be evil, that's just bad science. And so that that understanding sort of 
especially with the violent acts that the monster commits in the film, including hanging Fritz, which is still like, holy shit. <laughs> like, the image of him hanging. The way image of him hanging, um, and the way that's, like, shot, too, like, it's kind of from a distance, but you're still just like, oh my gosh. Like, no wonder this was a pre-code movie. <laughs> Uh, very this definitely feel yeah for, and there's some stuff there's some lines that were cut in re-releases like the mm. i know what it feels like to be god which yeah. was like a jump cut uh for many decades where it was like now i and it's like lightning crashes and it wasn't until i think the vhs days i think where they were finally restored that line and you can almost tell too like in some of those in some of those scenes where like like when he throws the little girl in the water and it looks like it wasn't as well restored as like the mm. rest of the movie is, so it's like they just mm. added it in. Um, it's insane, but like, but like when the monster commits the violent acts, obviously the first thought is, oh, the criminal brain. Oh, obviously it makes sense. He's supposed to be bad, and it's like he just doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> like, like he's just trying to figure shit out. You know, he's he's just he goes outside finally, like especially like the first fucking people he meets are trying to torment him. Like, yeah. like listen, Fritz asked for it. Another great Dwight Fry performance. Another great. Um, I'm and I will say this: I'm more okay with Fritz over Igor because mm. I know like Igor's like the iconic assistant, but um, I'll take I'll, if it's he's not in the original book if I remember correctly. No, I, well, Fritz, Fritz is like I think Fritz was like sort of like a I think it was part of like the stage version. Okay. Um, and but Igor comes in in Son of Frankenstein as Lugosi. Lugosi, yeah, which great and one of Lugosi's best performances ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, this one definitely feels more German expressionistic. Uh, yeah. Than than Dracula, like I think, I think about the the little dungeon that Drac that um that uh, the creature is in, and it just and they've seen like production stills of that, and it looks like something that was shot in Germany, like the early twenties, <laughs> like just the shot of him like you know fending off Fritz being an asshole to him, uh, <laughs> like with like the deep shadows and the angles and everything. It's 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 incredible, um, but. No, like the like it's like the whole time you just sympathize. Like I feel like I just sympathize with the creature the whole time, but like obviously he do, he's he again he does terrible things, but it's not like anything he does is something that he knows what he's doing. And right, so but like at the same time, it's like it still makes you sort of terrified when he goes out and does these things, like when uh, the little girl's just like at the edge of the water with the cat, and then she's got her she's got the flowers, and then. Obviously, the first thing you should never do, talk to strangers. She does it. Uh, <laughs> and um, she's like, here, you want to see me make a boat? And then she throws the flowers in, and he's like, oh. It's almost like, and it's almost it's like, you know, you're almost immediately, like, drawn into this, like, almost sort of sincere moment when he's got the flower in his hand, and then immediately taken away when he throws her in. And you're yeah. like, like, for a moment, it's 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 almost just great. Uh, horror filmmaking in that like it's it's like a bait and switch mm -hmm. like we're, we're 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 leaning you in for this like sincere moment with with this creature to show that he's you know he's he's got a soul he's got a soul but then it's just like oh let's see if she floats 
Yeah. You're like, shit. Um, and I mean, also too, like this movie has like the cl- like one of the big staples of like a bunch of Universal monster movies. The people with like the the village mob with like pitchforks <laughs> and, and like hunting dogs, and they're all like running out of the village in the, the woods trying to find the creature. Man, I th- I blame this movie for January sixth. <laughs> but another scary scene so like eventually like you know after like the first second half of the movie uh is is henry's wedding day Mm -hmm. and you know like there's like sightings of the monster so he locks his bride he already first off he sees his bride before the wedding which is bad luck yeah so that's so listen you know this movie's supernatural so we're already ruining it we're already (laughs) ruining it yeah, <laughs> and he locks her in her own room, and then the monster comes in through the window. That and there's also that it's sort of iconic shot of her walking away with like the the veil, and then yes. the monster like creeping behind her, and then you hear, it's <laughs> <laughs> just literally the. <laughs> it looks like it almost like if you didn't know it was you almost looked like a parody like shot <laughs> like it it almost is like like for some reason like. Whale was like, you know, that one got that one got me. But it was one of those things too, where like people found like the makeup so. I think I think it was May Clark in that scene where she's like, she found it like so horrifying mm-hmm. to look at. But Karloff was like, uh, had his pinky and he just wiggled it, just as like, hey, it's it's okay, I'm it's it's me, it's I'm we're, guy, we're good, we're good, it's, okay. it's Boris. Um, but it's and me, I also think the, sh- the shot of her like spur- like passed out on the on the couch. Is also mm. like really famous like shot to that's something that like sticks in my mind. Oh yeah, like it stuck just from seeing it this recent time. It's like it's this movie's so damn good. Is what we're trying <laughs> to like like Bride is amazing for so many like this movie just it this movie gets so many things right. Like like this movie had this like you know people say like this this had to walk for this to run. This movie still like this movie at least like jogged. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so like this movie jogged so that Bride could like fucking do a marathon. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if you want to make like that, like the rearrange that metaphor. But um, no, it's 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 still like it is still like probably my along with Bride of Frankenstein, like probably my favorite amongst the the whole series of Universal monsters because it's it's unsettling. Um, it's romantic at times. Uh, the performances are all just over the top and fun. The imagery is great. The monster himself is iconic. Karloff, I mean, when he reaches for the sun towards the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's even just like when you watch it on 4K, I like the little, like, like you see the veins in his arms. Like, like I don't know if they added like some sort of makeup into his already, because I don't know if he already had like veiny arms. They just kind of like emphasize them a bit more. I'm sure they, they did. And all, another thing too, like you notice his coat is short. Part of that, like he also has like really big, like boots with a high heel. That's because Colin Clyde was taller than him, than, um, than Boris Karloff. And so it just make it makes like the short coat makes him look bigger, you know, all that stuff. Um, but then there's obviously the, the final windmill scene, which is, of course, like, really famous. I- iconic and replicated in, in many things. Many things. I also love the shot, like, the two shots of, like, um, Frankenstein and the, and the monster face looking at each other through, like, the gears yes. of, of the windmill. It's just great shit. And then the movie ends, like, 
yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it literally does. I'm like, that was that was the that was the one pit. That, that's what that's what what made it go from a five star review on Letterbox to a four and a half star. Review. It was like, oh, all right, that's just the end. <laughs> it's like it's like that's like the only my only like critique like cr- negative criticism movie is that. But that was also like very, that's very much like a okay, we can't end this movie on just like Henry dying. Like, it's pretty <laughs> gruesome too. He gets thrown off. He gets thrown off, windmill. and uh, he gets thrown off the windmill. And of course, like they have to use like a like a like a dummy of some sort, so it's like really floppy. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he he gets caught on the actual windmill, and so you're like, how is he gonna walk in the next one? <laughs> it's just uh, movie magic. But another thing I want to say, like I love this old sc- almost old school showmanship with this. Two things. One, in the opening credits, the monster is not credited to anybody. It's just question mark. Which they do the same thing with Bride with the um with the, with the with the monster's mate. But second is a little pro a little prologue uh, done by Edward Van Sloan. Yes, uh, which is also going to be the basis. Which is the basis for going to be for this episode's um uh, disclaimer. We've won. Just you. too good. <laughs> but I also love um the in Dracula there was supposed to be there's like an end thing too that or there was supposed to be an end thing where it's just like. Edward Van Slum's almost like a, like, now you go home, and it almost sounds reassuring at first, but he goes, and remember, there are such things as vampires. And I I love, like, that sort of just old school, like, we needed nurses, we needed nurses in the lobby to make sure everybody was okay. <laughs> like, everyone just walks out, are you okay? Will you take the survey? <laughs> or, like, people, like, with, like, the Lon Chaney fan, I'm like, oh, people fainted when they, when they saw him. Um, <laughs> are you okay? Here's a survey. <laughs> Just uh, uh, e- email us. Oh shit! It's the third. Never mind. Oops. Um, no, no, no. What's what is an email? Um, you can just write a letter. It's okay. <laughs> we'll get it eventually. Um, but this is this is just a terrific, terrific movie. Um, also like hugely successful. Made Karloff a star, and basically assured that Karloff would always be a bigger star. Then Lugosi, like he's one of the few actors. Like if you look on the Mummy poster, it doesn't even say Boris Karloff. This is even just this Karloff, the uncanny. And he's like, like he's like Beyonce. He is he's like, like Beyonce. Like listen, how many people? And I'm asking the listeners, how many people actually know Beyonce's last name? I mean, yeah, <laughs> like because we all we all know her as Beyonce. I mean, I know what her last name is. Joey knows what her last name is. Right, Knowles. Yes, it's Knowles. Because <laughs> <laughs> when she was Destiny's Child with uh, with her two other bandmates, one of them's Kelly Rollin, the other one I can't remember. I'm being honest, um, but uh, she was Beyonce Knowles, but now she's just Beyonce. So I'm sure for the longest time, Boris Karloff, you know, people knew him as Boris Karloff, but now he's but you know for a long time he was just Karloff. He's just Karloff. Um, He's Beyonce. But, but also, like, this is a double feature of Lugosi and Karloff. I recommend, like, I definitely recommend The Black Cat as, like, a movie with the two of them. At the height of their powers. Lugo- and it's funny, too, because, like, Karloff is, like, a piece of shit in that movie. <laughs> he's, he's He worships Satan. And Lugosi's... Like his character isn't perfect, but he's a much more sympathetic character suffering from PTSD. I feel like he was probably in his contract, like I want people to like me more. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one. Of, it's one of the, some of their best work. Um, and obviously, Son of Frankenstein, 
Um, you know, Lugosi is great in that. Karloff doesn't get to do as much in Son of Frankenstein. It was his last time playing it for the main, for these, you know, univer- for the, mm-hmm. as the monster in these movies. Um, not that he's bad or anything like that. He's, he's good, but you know, it's, um, it's much more of like Lugosi and Basil Rathbone's movie. Really. Right. But you know, then there's, um, there's the invisible Ray. Cause, uh, you know, uh, Lugosi is great as Karloff's sidekick. Karloff, sidekick, fuck you. <laughs> Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotta love references to, to Ed Wood every so often. Ed Wood. Yeah, you gotta. It's it's inevitable. I also recommend, too, if you guys listen to um, the podcast, you must remember this. They did a whole series on uh, Bela... Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Richard, I'll send it to you so you can listen to it whenever you're not listening to our show. Um, <laughs> Which I, I some this this next few weeks I, I gotta like intensely listen to so many things. Be, yes. Um but point being these are I'm glad we're starting the month this way because we're this month we're talking about a lot of like spooky icons mm. um and their ser- franchises and all that. Especially and the last do, one. Oh boy. Especially, <laughs> the last one. That last one. Uh, we haven't even recorded it yet, but I can only imagine what that's going to be like. <laughs> that's going to be wild. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, these guys, like, Lugosi as Dracula and Karloff as the Frankenstein monster are just the granddaddies of, like, horror icons, mm-hmm. really. You know, um, like, obviously you have people, like Michael, you have Michael Myers, uh, Freddy, Jason, Chucky, Ghostface, you know, but it's like these guys are like, I feel like, as they say, like the OGs, if you will. <laughs> the the original gangsters, as one would also, just to extend that out. Extend it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like they, it, it's, it's actors like Lugosi and Karloff that, you know, defined what it was to be like a horror icon in many respects with these performances and with some of their later performances, like, you know, then they, they, they paved the way for other actors, you know, like, you know, like we were mentioning Vincent Price, a lot of the hammer actors, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing. Um, and then of course all these icons that we've been getting, I feel like though the, the train of horror icons is sort of halted a little bit. I was seeing people talk about this. Cause like we, cause like we have a new Saw movie out, which you know it's, it seems to be doing pretty well for itself, so that's good. Um, and you know, Jigsaw the character is is become pretty iconic in the world of horror, but at the same time, it's like there isn't there isn't like a new class, there isn't like a new school. You know, though I have seen a lot of people like when Malignant came out, like like Gabriel, <laughs> and I'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gabriel's important to us. Gabriel's <laughs> important to us. Um, so it is nice to see, like, there is still some, like, you know, maybe a few things out there. But, like, you know, it just, it doesn't feel the same as it used to. No. Not that it has to, but, it, you know, you, you kind of wish maybe there was a bit more to it. I, I think part of it, you know, because, again, like, you know, reality influences, like, art you know, yeah. on, on some level. And... You know, I think on, on one level, like, Dracula and Frankenstein's monster are, like, these are, are literary creations, you know, and I think as time went on, like, again, like, World War Two, 
they the movies weren't as scary. You know, A, because the code, production code, but also B, World War II was freaking scary. Yeah. Great, you know, all these things that had happened. Yeah. And then we're heading into the atomic age and, you know, things change, you know, things that scare you change. And again, we're t- talking about things like Halloween or like The Exorcist. I remember like William, late great William Friedkin was saying like, the, the, the monster isn't Dracula in some kind of like far off castle. The mo- It's in this very real place and time you can't escape it's there it's in your home or michael myers like it's it's in it's in suburbia mm-hmm. you know so i think it's a it's a different kind of of each horror but i mean each era of horror very much in that ball like even from just our time time frame you know we had 9-11 and how that yeah that i mean that like that changed everything and and so many horror movies felt like it just felt like they gave up and they're like, okay, let's just get gorier and gorier. And, uh, then obviously recently with, with the pandemic and how that changed everything. Now it just feels like horror is like, let's just go crazy now and let's just throw shit out there and see what sticks and just have a good time with it. It's like, I feel like I'm like horror feels like it's in its best place now, arguably, than, than it's been in a long time because I just feel like there's just a lot of great horror stuff that's coming out. Um, I feel like the the horror scene is starting to get a little bit more exciting. Um, though I feel like the 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 target has changed to to mental illness and trauma. Not that that was never not the case in so many other ones, but that's sort of the focus now uh, with so many horror movies. Is like you know what what how are we gonna terrify people in here? Well, and it's kind of one of those things where it becomes more of the text than, like, subtext. Yeah. Because there is definitely, like, themes of, like, trauma in so many, you know, so many of these movies. Mm-hmm. But it's not, like, at the forefront where, at yeah. much, you know, like it is today. Like, even even with these two movies, like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you, not, to, not to throw this out there, but when you, like, a lot of vampire stuff, you know, stuff like assault. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, things that... I, I'm trying to avoid saying the R word, uh, but you can probably get uh, yeah. where I'm coming with that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's um, it's a subtextual thing here versus like which it's it's a pretty common thing with vampires in general. It's like especially the more villainous takes where they sneak into a young woman's room um, against her will and and have their way, unfortunately. Um, or like in uh, in 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 this, there's. Um, dealing with this like with with Colin Clive like he made it like he made this uh he made this creature and now he has to deal with the the consequences of that I mean generational trauma generational trauma folks you know hey I have this wreath you're gonna put on Elizabeth's head and I hope your kid does it too you know what dad <laughs> you know what dad I'll do what I want <laughs> I'm going to hang out with Fritz now, okay? I like Fritz, okay? He he doesn't judge my grave robbing. And you know what? He's really nice when he's not mean to the creature. (laughs) It's not toxic at all. Oh, man. I mean, it's just, like, like, again, these are landmark, like, landmark Hollywood movies that... You know, I feel like they, they really do have their place in film history, in horror history, pop culture. Mm. Um, just want to—I'm going to dedicate this one to my dad because these are 
two were two of his favorites. Not not to not to like lean like I said something that like dads what the hell and then it's like I don't mean that. I'm Let's, sorry. Le, no, it's it's there's there was no graceful way to get you know. But you know what? It, 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 shout out to to that's a weird way to say that. Um, dedicate this to 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 Joey's dad, of course. Um, yeah, in, in many respects, a lot of uh, a lot of your interests come from him. You know, from that yes. VHS box. And so this is this is definitely, uh, I'm sure, a big as you just said, a big episode for that. So. This was a huge one. This was definitely a huge one. Like the American Werewolf was another one like that too, where it was like, you know, Wolfman, American Werewolf, you know, and then now these two, which is it's great. Um, and I mean, I think I could, these movies are really short, and these these conversations are going on. Like it's good conversations, but it's like there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to dissect. With both of these movies, yeah. Oh man, but yeah, folks. Folks, what is your favorite Universal Monsters movie? What's your favorite, like, 30s horror movie, if you have one? Who's, who's your favorite horror icon? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Who's your favorite horror icon? Um, uh, who's your favorite... Uh, what You know what? What's your favorite version of Frankenstein or Dracula? Or Frankenstein's monster or Dracula? Yeah. Because, um, I mean, listen, while these are probably the most iconic, arguably, like, there's a lot out there. Yeah. So, yes. you know, start here and then explore. Go yes. crazy. Watch all of them. Watch all of them. Check out. There's also a, a, a Thomas Edison um, Frankenstein from 1910. You can watch online for free. Yeah. Um, yeah go ahead. I've never seen it, but. It's, it's kind of wild. Um, anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Check us out next week as we continue our Halloween extravaganza. Have a good night, everyone. And remember, don't drink and drive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He agreed. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And of course, stay tuned for a brand new episode of Two Dudes, One Double 